I don't see where they're coming up. I'm doing something wrong. Right here. Good morning, listeners. You have reached the voices of the Cannabis Wars live radio show where we bring you the news right from the front lines. We are a bunch of people who are trying to end the war, and our war is is being ended right now through volunteers. And through the great um, thank yous from us to um, PCHI Radio, who gives us this platform for us to use our voice in order to get the word out of what's going on. So we want to thank PCHI and all the volunteers that help us with the show. Um, This morning we have a great show lined up. We don't have any... In the uh, screeners quite yet, but we have a huge show lined up. Um, it's going to be awesome. Um, for the, the topic of today's show is uh, rescheduling versus rescheduling. Um, so there's a lot of people think it should be rescheduled, and there's a lot of people that think it should be descheduled and monitored like a like a tomato and not necessarily a medicine. So um, we we're going to be talking about that throughout the show. Um, Amanda Latt is the parent for POT State Coordinator for Michigan. Um, she wants to help us plan a national conference in D.C., in March in D.C., where, it, where we'll get all of our people from up here out to there. So we'll be talking to Amanda Latt, and then um, at 10 o'clock, or at, at, at 9.30, we'll talk to Craig Cecil, who is serving a life sentence for a plant. At about 9.45, um, and Craig will be calling right in at about 9.45, we'll talk to George Monterano, who served 33 years in prison for a plant and was just recently released of a life sentence. So that's called Georgie's Corner, and you do not want to miss Georgie's Corner. It is the best. Okay, and then at 10 o'clock, you know, there's been a lot going on with the Native American Church, the Okawava Native American Church. I was sent some of their um, church members, uh, some of our medicine through the U.S. Postal Service because they say they follow the Schedule One drug, um, they intercepted the package, and it did not get to the patient, uh, the, the church member that needed it. So they are actually suing the church. Attorney Matt Pappas is representing the case, and we will, this is part two, because last week it was part one where we heard from Joy Graves. Uh, this week we're going to hear from Matt Pappas, who has uh, been on our show before. He is one of the our best, um, our best medical marijuana attorneys. Um, He's representing them in that case. And also, um, there's some stuff going on to where the church is opening up uh, medical marijuana stores for church members. And uh, he's representing that story as well. We're going to learn more about that. And then at 1030, um, we're going to be hearing from Martin Nickerson, who is the owner of Northern Cross Collective, um, or was, they they just moved um, down to Oregon. But we're going to talk to him about uh, a case that he has been dealing with for over four years and his two co-defendants as well. Um, they were facing 30 years in prison and their charges were just recently dropped. So we're going to find out from Martin what freedom feels like at about 1030. Um, we're also going to get a, a little bit of an update on his tax case. Um, so it's going to be a short interview with Martin, but we're going to go into more of a deeper interview um, in a couple shows from now. So tune in. Um, we got a great show um, we're going to talk right now um, to the other host of this show, whose name is Eugene Fisher. Um, he has served 20, served 25 years of a life sentence, and he brings his voice to the Voices of the Cannabis War as one of the founders of our group and of our mission to end prohibition here. Um, good morning, Eugene. How are you? 
Good morning, Christian. Good morning, listeners. It's so good to be on again. Uh, as you know, Christian, I'm here in uh, L.A., Los Angeles, and it's so different than the climate back east <laughs> to be in a state where medical marijuana is allowed and so on. It's really, really great. So it, this show is exciting today, Christian. You've re- we've really got a bunch of interesting people coming on. I know it. I know it. And I'm talking with Becca. And she's helping us screen this morning, and so we're trying to get her on in the in the end in on here too. So our first guest is going to be Amanda Latz, and she's going to be calling in. I don't know about nine nine fifteen or so. She's taking time out of her day to call in. And we're going to talk about you know what do you think is the difference? Oh wait, first Eugene, I want to go and I want to read. Um, um, hold on, I have to get I have to get back to the new password, um, but. What I'm going to do is I'm going to read this letter because last week uh, part one of the show was regarding uh, Michael Pelletier, who is serving a life sentence. He's a paraplegic, and he's serving a life sentence for our plant. We had Amy Pova on. She's a big advocate for him. And we had Amy on, and Michael had had written um, something for our radio show that I just absolutely forgot to read. So I want to read that. Um, so this would be part two of the, of the part one part one show. <clears throat> but this is from Michael. He says, I want everybody to know that I was paralyzed at the age of 11. And even though paralyzed, I can see a lot of pain associated with my condition, not to mention the mental stress, anxiety, and depression associated with that condition. The doctors could not prescribe any medicine that resolved the problems like marijuana. So I turned to marijuana as a source of relief. Naturally, my friends wanted me to share. So that is how I got into providing marijuana for my close friends. Then one must consider that I was living on a couple hundred dollars a month from welfare and I was never worked and, and I never worked to save money or receive social security or disability. So the money I received from a few sales of marijuana to some close friends certainly helped me get through the monthly bills. This all stopped when the federal government decided that I was having too much enjoyment out of life from indulging in marijuana and that I must simply accept my pain and limited income as a part of life. So now the federal government is spending $50,000 a year to keep me locked up, while when I was out, the government limited my income to a couple hundred a month. Does that make any sense? Love, Mikey. That was from Michael Pitt. Pelletier, um, who's serving a life sentence, I believe he's on his 13th year, and I spoke to Amy this week, and Amy would like everybody to visit his page on her CanDo website. I believe it's www.CanDo. Um, I, put the, I put the petition on my page, but she said he needs more signatures on it in order to ask the president to free Michael um, and grant him clemency so that he doesn't have to serve the rest of his life in prison in a wheelchair. So, Eugene, what are your thoughts um, about descheduling versus rescheduling? Wow, that's a big, important <laughs> point. <laughs> it's something we can talk hours and hours about. Uh, let me focus it back another way, Christian, first before I answer that. Um, we're, we have a vibrant movement going in the States for states' rights to uh, 
legalize uh, marijuana and not making any kind of schedule. But our, the big stick in the mud is the federal government, and they still have marijuana as a Schedule One drug. So first of all, first the first thing, which means by the way that it has, it's uh, has no medical properties, which is absurd. Uh, scientifically, it's been proven totally wrong. But the first thing we must do is change the scheduling of marijuana. And you asked the question properly, Christian. Do we deschedule it or do we reschedule it? Uh, listeners, there's a big difference. Rescheduling means it's it's shifted from a class one to a class two or a class three drug. And it's still illegal. It still can be prosecuted. Uh, it, it changes some characteristics and some things that can be done, but it really isn't that big of a solution. So descheduling, descheduling is the way to go, no doubt about it, because that means you, it's no longer a controlled substance. We and do. remember, yes, yes, Christian. Think about this, okay? If it's a Schedule One drug, and I've got the schedule pulled up right here. Schedule One drugs are substance chemicals that are defined to have no current accepted medical use and is at high risk uh, potential for abuse. Schedule One drugs are considered the most dangerous drugs of all the drug schedules with potentially, potentially severe psychological or physical dependence. Um, included is LSD is a Schedule One drug, cannabis is a Schedule One drug. Ecstasy is a Schedule One drug. Heroin is a Schedule One drug. Um, so now, if we if we if we rescheduled it, it'd have to be a Schedule Two, Three, uh, Four, Five. So I'm just going to give you guys some samples of what's on a two. Um, that cocaine, methamphetamines, methadone, um, oxycotton. Oh wow, I can't believe the oxycotton is um, not as is on a, a lower schedule than. Um, uh, cannabis, but anyway, so Schedule Three would be, and I okay, so I don't believe that cannabis should be a Schedule Two, period, because it's it's all these things. The Schedule Two is way worse than cannabis. So Schedule Three is um, a product containing less than mil, nine milligrams of codeine. So that's codeine, uh, anabolic steroids, testosterone, and ketamine. That's Schedule Three. Well, I think marijuana doesn't compare to any of those, and it's a lot safer than those. So definitely not scheduled to Schedule 3. So Schedule 4 drugs include Xanax, uh, Soma, Darvon, Darvacet, Valium, Activin, Calwin, Ambien, and Tramadol. Okay, I happen to know a few people that are highly addicted to some of these drugs that I just mentioned, and that's a Schedule 4, and I don't believe that marijuana is nearly – in fact, I don't believe marijuana is addictive at all, but all the Schedule 4 drugs are uh, – Marijuana is a lot safer than all the Schedule 4 drugs. So then we look at the Schedule 5 drugs. Schedule 5 drugs are um, cough, it's coding, it's modafin, lysera, um, lamatil, robitussin AC, and cough um, preparations of less than two mil 200 milligrams of coding um, or 100 milliliters of robitussin. That's Schedule 5. So I believe that marijuana and slash cannabis is what we want to call it. It's a lot safer even than even those. So rescheduling it, excuse me, rescheduling it, um, in my opinion, um, there's no category for it. So I, I, I vote for deschedule. So 
So I vote for deschedule, and Eugene, you vote for deschedule. Absolutely, Kristen. Uh, everything you said is, is so well analyzed, but I want to make this uh, additional point. The law, the law that people are being prosecuted under federally is the Controlled Substance Act. If you leave marijuana as a controlled substance, you see what the, the effect it has. If you deschedule it, you're taking it away from being prosecuted. So I think that really, uh, even though uh, it's very self-evident that it doesn't even fit in any of the categories for rescheduling, in the least category being Schedule 5, it doesn't even fit there. Uh, but it, but but for legal reasons, so we can stop these uh, uh, absurd prosecutions, federal prosecutions, uh, it, it should be descheduled. So, yes, I'm in a total agreement, Chris. Cool, cool. Because I always hear people, well, it needs to be rescheduled. Well, there's no category to put it in. It's in a category of our own. And then I've heard, you know, I've heard a lot of older women who are really into gardening and growing the plant, and they've all said, well, it needs to be monitored like a tomato. It needs to go, you know, it needs to be um, looked at like it's um, vegetation and like it's food because it is and not necessarily as a as a Schedule 1 like it's a drug, but it's more of like a looked at it like a food. Now, I think that sounds, that sounds I don't think it should be um, monitored at all, but, you know, if we had to do some monitoring, that sounds a lot better than putting it through the Schedule 1 drug. drug um, I mean, okay, so here's the thing, too. It says it's a Schedule 1 drug because it has no medical benefits and a high risk for a high potential of abuse. And that's one thing I don't understand because that's a lie. It does have medical benefits, and we've proven it everywhere. So there you do. Yes, there's, there's no doubt. There's no doubt, Christian, that uh, it, it, it's absurd the way they're characterizing it. Uh, it and the other, the other thing is this: um, we know that everything in today's America is under some kind of jurisdiction or, or sits in some uh, cubbyhole of some kind of law or something. And what we're trying to do is if, if Marijuana is properly handled. It, it should be handled like like other medicines, like aspirin and and uh, common things. And uh, if, if it's under some other organization, uh, part of the government, such as the Department of Agriculture or something like that, uh, as long as it is an onerous uh, supervision, if it isn't difficult to comply with, uh, it would be okay. The thing we want is to get it to stop this, the prosecu- prosecution for uh, uh, for it as a controlled substance. That's because that, that's what people go to jail for, Christian. That's what people get. That's why I got a life sentence. That's what people go to jail for, and we got to stop that. And until we do, you know, I, I think we're in total agreement, you and I. Until we do change the federal laws, the battle isn't lost. It isn't over. It's, it's long to go still. Right. Christian. Well, I know it. I know it, Eugene. Um, we're waiting on Amanda Latz to call in. As soon as she calls in, we're going to get her on. She's actually in at some sort of a meeting this morning that she's going to be taking a special break for to get on to, onto our show to talk about what's going on. But um, that's one thing that's really important um, is that we all understand the difference. And I think we did just let everybody know really what the difference is. But it's when we talk to people outside – 
outside this radio show and we're in the movement and we're talking to people and we're at events and we're talking to people, we have to make sure we clarify that because a lot of people say reschedule. Well, there's a big difference between reschedule and deschedule. So that's um, that's very important because if it was descheduled, I mean, I think that right there alone would, would um, make it to where none of our people could go to prison for a plant. You know, that that right there would probably release Absolutely. all of our prisoners. If we descheduled, if we rescheduled, then they would just go in there and say, oh, okay, well, according to this new schedule, then that there's a mandatory minimum of such. And so they would just probably change their sentences. But if it was just descheduled, you know, they can't hold people really, I don't think, off of a law that doesn't exist anymore, right? Our prisoners would be. No, changed. and uh, actually, uh, that would, in, in, in essence, annul the law, Christian, because the law is the Controlled Substance Act. Once you deschedule, it's no longer a controlled su- substance. So it cannot right. be prosecuted. Yes. Well, we have, now, we have there, there's a petition. Um, there's a petition out there that we've been looking at very closely. And it's very interesting because um, it's a petition that would remove, I've got it in front of me, and you, I know Eugene is in love with this petition, and we're going to talk to Amanda Latt um, because we want to, the things in this petition fit everything we're trying to fight for, and that's basically remove marijuana uh, from the Controlled Substance Act and end cannabis prohibition. Um, and it goes on to say all kinds of good things that would um, that would basically free everybody from 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 their sentences. Yes, Christian. It goes on and it it lists uh, it, it it wants the executive order of the president to be become. Uh, uh, fixed. Uh, that's an order that says they won't prosecute in states where uh, the l- state laws have changed and, uh, and legalized marijuana. Uh, so that would be one part of the petition. And then it goes on to talk about descheduling, as you say. And uh, it also talks about uh, import and export of marijuana and, and, and a change of where it would uh, be under whose jurisdiction in the government it would be and so on. Uh, Christian, how, how does someone get onto the uh, the website to, to sign the petition? Well, it's got me in front of me. It's, peti- it's petitions uh, <clears throat> dot move on dot org slash sign remove marijuana from, and then that's all it says. Um, it's on my Facebook wall, though. In fact, I'm about to copy and paste the link on there right now, so you guys can go to my Facebook wall. But what we want to do is we want to take that petition. And we want to actually plan a whole conference to Washington D.C. in a March, because we believe that we have to have to have an effect on Congress. If not only just do we have to have an effect on Congress, but we also have to have an effect on the president. Um, the president can remove this from the scheduling at any point that he wants to, and Congress can do it as well. So we believe that if we get all the voices of the cannabis war, not just the not just the prisoners, but we definitely want the prisoners, but those that believe that nobody should go, go to jail for a plant and want to speak up about it. We get all these people to call Washington, D.C., to go to Washington, D.C., to step up and use their voices in order to end this. We believe that if we can organize something like that, we would be able to change things because we believe that the voices are so powerful, especially those of prisoners. If we can get all of our prisoners to Washington, D.C., um, I think we could end the war in one day because we're all on a, all of them are on a mission. So um, 
we are hoping um, that we'll be able to end the war by following what basically this petition talks about. And we haven't been in contact with the people who are running the petition yet, but we have tried. But we would like to join um, the efforts of this petition in a major way. Yeah, Christian, you know, I I read about the um, the statistics. I think they have under 10,000 signatures presently on the petition. By the way, the way you get a signature on is just going into that link that Christian is putting out and acknowledging that you wish to join. It seems to me, Christian, just mathematically, think of this. You've got, we don't know how many hundreds of thousands of marijuana users out there. And, and every single one of them should be in, should sign this petition. Right. And yet Definitely. we've only, we've only got about, we've uh, right now there's only under 10,000 signatures. Now, obviously uh, we can't say it's because they have a lack of interest. Probably they don't even know that the petition is there. That's why we're talking about it. But it, it's the beginning of of what we want to do in this political year. This is a very important political year because it's a pre- presidential election. And we wish to go to Washington before that election and in mass to, to get all of our fellow brother and sister organizations involved, all the advocacy groups, and go there and and then do what some people would say is uh, uh, impossible. We want to send representatives of these groups in a committee to speak to the president. Um, number so two. Oh, go ahead, Eugene. We, sorry. We want to go and speak to congressmen, to the important congressmen and senators, and do it with representatives. In other words, here's the image I'd like the audience to have. We get, we're, we'll try to get buses bringing people from different parts of the country in. And Amanda, our guest today, is going to speak about fellow organizations that would try to have their meetings in, in D.C. at the same time. But they all converge on Washington. So we have, uh, uh, hopefully, we'd have a, a 100,000 people or more there. And that the politicians look at those things. And then we go, our representatives go and speak to the president and to Congress. Well, you so it would be, um, be very powerful. Very powerful. And what's, what's already turning into powerful? And Amanda Latz, um, I believe she is probably um, in her meeting that she has to be in. Um, so we're not probably going to hear from her this morning. So I just want to say, you know, Amanda Latz, this is how powerful it is. She wants to do this so bad that she stepped up and said, I want to start leading the way and start helping plan this. So she's got together a summary, and we're working on on getting it perfected. Her and I are shooting it back and forth towards each other, but basically asking for volunteers um, to help plan this because, you know, Amanda can't do it all by herself, and neither can I, and neither can Eugene, and neither can Mindy. But um, we need more, and we also need funding. So it's going to be something that's going to go out to say, hey, we need some money because, you know, Eugene has plans on bringing buttholes of people in, 
and all that costs money, but um, to end prohibition, we do believe it would be well worth it in the long run to to, to put towards this um, idea that we have. Because first and foremost, you know, we've had a few prisoners who were released from long sentences, and not even just long sentences, but we have so many in there that still have family members out here. And those voices need to be heard because I know we hear them on this radio show, but Congress don't get to hear them. Uh, the president don't get to hear them. They don't listen to this radio show. So we need to get our people out there so that they can hear them directly. And if they heard an, enough stories, I know that they would want to end the war also. Yes, you're absolutely right, Christian. It's a matter of involvement. And um, I think what Amanda was going to say, and we can we can put it out there, is it isn't her or... Christian and myself or Mindy, it's we're we're asking for a coalition of all advocacy groups to come together on this, and that is what will give it the power. And and the, and there's no reason, is there, Christian, that we shouldn't be together? We really have the same purposes in mind, all of us. So let's right. get together sure. on this and 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 go to go right right to Washington. See what what we're saying is the efforts of the states are great. They're moving in the right direction. Those states, in fact, some people are saying that. But by the end of the year, there might be, be as many as forty of the states that will have passed laws uh, allowing for medical marijuana. So the states aren't the problem. The federal government is. We've got to change the federal government. In fact, uh, Christian, as as I. Uh, See things here in California, for example, all the literature about what you can do with a dispensary or delivery service or collective or cooperative, it always has a proviso in it. However, we must warn you, it's still illegal federal, federally. And that's, that's hey, Eugene, I'm going to screen a call. We don't have a screener this morning. I'm going to screen a call. So if you just talk to the listeners real quick while I screen this call, I'll be right back, okay? It might be Amanda. Okay. Okay, talk to listeners. Okay. Anyway, this this is that, so that's that's our position. Envision it a surge, a major surge of groups and people on DC. Uh they've done it in the civil rights very effectively. Why can't we do this in this program which is actually a civil rights program? Uh why can't we do it and and attract the attention? You know the thing about the squeaky wheel? That's the one that gets the attention. Well, let's be a squeaky wheel. Let's go and roar and roar in Washington, D.C. and have representatives meet with the highest level of people, the president, the uh, members of uh, the leaders of Congress and the, and the Senate. Uh, while, while I was incarcerated, we actually did this once sending members of, of uh, the prison I was in, the US, USP Coleman of the NAACP, to Washington, D.C. to talk to the Black Caucus. And it, it, it was very effective. It was, very, it was, it was quite a, quite a uh, very good uh, uh, presentation we met, made at that, at that time. This, what we're talking about now, though, could be huge. It could be one of the biggest events ever that, that we as groups, advocacy groups together as a coalition of advocacy groups are, are proposing. Christian? 
as she's she's screening. Okay, Eugene. Eugene, I'm I'm still here, and we have a major problem. We've had some issues with the radio show um, this morning, and we haven't been able to get our screener in. And now, in order, because you know, we they just switched. CCHI just switched. Um, some issues were were going on with them regarding their their thing, and I have a feeling that maybe um, something happened here to where um, it's not allowing us to screen calls and. Are we are we live though? Are we live? We are live, and it's uh, making us pay. So I'm in the process of trying to pay. Um, so in order for us to continue with the show, and I have a feeling it might cut off. Um, I don't know what's going on, but we can't get our screener in or anything like that. So I'm hoping. Oh, that, I hope we um, get Craig. I hope we can Craig call in. Can we get him and get, get Georgie and uh, and yeah, uh, Matt I hope Pat- call Eugene if I pay this. Right now, I think we'll be okay. So hold on. Okay. I, we usually I, don't I have to do this. this listen, we're we're trying to resolve this and work through it uh, to bring you the normal show we do, and we'll get through it. We'll we'll find a way through. Okay, Craig should be coming on any moment now, shouldn't he? Yeah, and he actually calls my phone, so I'll just be able to um, put him in. So that won't be a problem. We're still okay. having some serious technical difficulties right now. Okay, okay. Taking first. okay, so we just did this. So Okay, so let me go back here to the studio. Now we should be able to get people through. Hold on. Okay, hold on, Eugene. Talk to the listeners while I try to stream this, and we'll see if it's fixed. Okay. Uh, Craig Cecil's coming on. Uh, I'm proud to say I've become a, we've become friends, Craig and myself. Craig is a valiant prisoner. Uh, he's got a life sentence for for marijuana for something he didn't even do, which even makes it worse. The problem worse. is solved. The problem is solved. We are now able to screen calls, and I hopefully our screener can get in now. Um, but we have. Um, I was just screen that call real quick. And this is Amanda on the line. Amanda, we are also waiting for Craig Cecil to call in. Um, we do not know okay. if he was scheduled to work today or not, and we had some very serious technical difficulties this morning. So I apologize for the wait. But um, no worries. Today um, we were just we were just talking about this um, ber- descheduling versus rescheduling, um, and we were also talking about our plans in DC coming up and what's going on so far with those plans. But I'm gonna let you and Eugene talk for a second because I have another another call to screen. Okay. Okay. Hi, Eugene. Good morning. Good How morning, you, Amanda. Hon? How are you today? I'm a very busy lady today. I'm actually on a break from um, my community service at the Humane Society for a little while uh, until later this afternoon. Um, I have been, uh, as Kristen, I've actually been buzzed in for probably close to 10 minutes, so I didn't catch the segment in regards to descheduling versus uh, rescheduling. Um, but I, I do want to bring to the listeners' attention um, that by descheduling, because uh, through my conversations with different advocates through the through the nation uh, thus far, uh, the biggest concern I think that I've encountered is that people are very concerned that if it's descheduled, that the rate of scientific research will slow down, um, and I, I feel very strongly through my 
through my gut feeling, not to mention the research I've done on my own in the last couple of weeks, that that is not going to be the case at all. Um, and um, I want people to really think long-term what will happen if it is scheduled to, which would be basically scheduling it as a medical substance. Um, I, I want people to take into consideration the direction that Western medicine has taken as a whole. Um, I want people to think about are they willing to 10, 15 years down the road to have to possibly get more than one doctor's recommendation in order to have medical? And then even further than that, um, are people willing to go through a drive-thru at CVS? to get their medical marijuana, uh, which is basically what would end up happening because at that point it would be regulated by the, by the Federal Drug Administration. Um, we all know this is not a drug. This is a plant. Um, you know, it, it, probably about 20 years ago people more started referring to it as an herb. Uh, in the last seven or eight years there's been some very uh, – very serious research into what type of herb it is. And at this point, uh, there's, I, I believe it came out of Berkeley. Uh, don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure uh, that it was Glee did a study. And it's actually more closely related to as a vegetable. Um, hence why the terminology cannabinoid system first came into um, our rhetoric when, when discussing cannabis. Um, because just like any any vegetable, um, our body needs those minerals. Um, and so I think that kind of segues into, you know, the petition that we're looking at working with the U.S. Department of Agriculture uh, to, to regulate and tax it um, as it is truly a crop. Um, with that being said, and that I think is the next biggest issue um, when I have reached out to other advocates, you know, there's a lot of people that just want the plant to be completely free. Um, in theory, that sounds great. Um, in my heart, that sounds great. But realistically, the government is not going to just say, okay, sure, here's this plant. You guys just do whatever the hell you want with it. We're not going to make ours you know, make our piece of the pie off of it, that's unrealistic. Um, the government is a is a business institution. Um, I truly believe that that's why we haven't made more federal progress in regards to changing the scheduling because the feds are basically sitting back, letting all these states make their decision whether they, you know, continue to criminalize it, decriminalize it, uh, you know, decide for medical or recreational. Um, in the meantime, they're sitting back, pardon me, they're sitting back and observing and and trying to formulate their own plan as to how they're going to concretely have their share of the pie, if you will. Um, and obviously, in the meantime, coming in and busting up all the rules and regulations we're trying to make at a state level anyway. Um, so I think to sit back and continue to let that happen and not take the initiative for us to 
gather our, our voice together from little, you know, little shouts here and there to a full roar scream, I think is really ignorant on our part. Do we want to let the federal government decide and at the end of the day how it's going to be taxed and regulated? Or should no. we, you know, should, should we, you know, put our voices together and, and give them the proposal and then show them this is how many people nationwide we have on board behind us and this is what, what we're basically demanding. So I, I just... I don't I don't want, you know, I, I migrated to a medical state from a decriminalized state, uh, from Ohio to Michigan, and I don't want my kids to have to go through a drive-thru at CVS or have to go to a, a branded name of a of a cooperative to to get a jar of nugs when they're grown. I don't want that for my kids. What I envision is an and I, I mean, I have a little bit of reservations of working with the U.S. Department of Agriculture as well, but would I rather work with them than corporate America or the Federal Drug Administration? Absolutely, because working, you know, using this system as opposed to the other two options, um, it's going to free free the plant to be able to be grown by every American and be accessed by every American. And that's something um, I feel very passionate about at this point, particularly after having my own medical card denied because of my probationary terms. Um, I really want to be the voice for the, for the people in the states that are completely underground at this point. This has really been a huge eye-opener for me to be advocating and be the voice for the people who live in places that it's too scary to even have a voice. Um, so this is this is a huge thing, and um, as Kristen had mentioned, you know, I really want to see everybody do their part, whether it's, you know, donating $5 towards the cause, uh, doing some research. Um, once we get, uh, you know, our Facebook page and a website up and going, you know, making sure that that's being shared on a regular basis, everybody can do something. If you have the time... To, to go out, especially in the underground states, you have the time to go out, call your call your guy or your gal you, you're getting your herb from, you know, and sit down and, and socialize and smoke in a circle. And, you know, you definitely have the time and the resources to do at least a little something. And all of us need to stand up and at least do that little something, if not more, to make this happen. I really feel strongly about that. For sure, for sure, Amanda. Um, um, I just want to let our listeners know that Craig Cecil has not called in yet today. He usually calls in at about 9.30, meaning that he's probably has to work. Hopefully he's not on lockdown or something. So we will look into um, what's going on. Craig is a prisoner that's serving a life sentence for a plant um, who calls in every week. But, yeah, um, Christian, what... I, I'd like to make a comment about what you just said. Uh to, to focus people on on what happens when you're a prisoner, uh, Craig is only so able to do so much that he really wants to do while he's a prisoner, because all kinds of things happen: lockdowns for the entire prison, lockdowns for a unit, uh, work must must do. Remember, Craig is not; he has no freedom not to go to work. You know, in the free world, you 
if you're sick, you don't go to work, or if you've got something that comes up that uh, makes it dis- disenables you going to work, you don't have to go. Craig does. He's a prisoner, and that's probably yeah. why he's not on. He, he would otherwise be with us like he is not, almost uh, religiously every every Sunday. Right. Um, so let's go back to Amanda. Um, Amanda, so all these all these feelings you have now, you're a state coordinator for Parents for Pot in Michigan, and now you want to do more, even more than that, and that plan a national um, conference or help plan a national conference and a march and, you know, end this war once and for all. I'm extremely excited to be working with you. And I know that we have to find more people like you who are just as excited to end the war as you are. So what would you say mm-hmm. to somebody out there who is, like, thinking, you know, well, what what can just I do? What, you know, I'm just one person. What, what could, how could I make a difference? I mean, we know, we know how one person can make a difference. But what would you say to people considering they can or not? Um, I think, uh, as I said, once we have the Facebook page, and we have the website uh, that needs to be shared on a regular basis. Um, and I actually did want to talk to you privately, Kristen, as well, um, sometime later this evening in regards to how we can set up a um, a, a site uh, to have people donate. Um, one of the things, I think, to make this this vision come to fruition is obviously it's going to cost a lot of money. Um, one of the the big expenditures is going to be getting these activists, these two to three activists at least from every state to D.C. is going to cost a lot of money. And as you well know, being an activist doesn't pay very well with cash, unfortunately. Um, There's obviously many perks. (laughs) Well, it does pay lots of different things, but not, not generally cash. Um, so I, I kind of have a system in my head. I, I've talked a little bit to, to Mindy and to Danielle um, in regards to how we would how we would basically have an algorithm as to how much funds each activist could could dip into from this uh, fundraiser um, to be able to make that trip to D.C. Because that's going to be pretty costly, especially for those of you who are out west and you know that's a couple thousand miles um and even with gas prices being down i mean it's it's going to cost a lot of money for these activists to travel to dc so i think even those who are afraid um or who who might not have the time to uh do the research uh to do this you know the, the smaller tasks that we will need done at a state level to pull this off nationally i think everybody you know i would like everybody to pledge at least five dollars i mean if you if you look at the numbers of how many cannabis consumers there are in the united states if we could get five dollars per every cannabis consumer in the united states we'll make this happen um, so even if people, like I said, are afraid to or they don't have the time permitting to be one of those that stands up with us, they can certainly help support that activists that are standing up from their state to get to D.C. to be their voice. 
So, you know, money money talks and, and BS walks. So I, I think everybody can, can afford $5, you know, at least to, you know, help get their their advocates from their state to D.C. Um, as Eugene and I had talked, you know, last week, you know, when we talked, when we talked privately on the phone, we both, we were almost finishing each other's sentences when we were talking about what we saw in our head as far as this congressional testimony. You know, obviously 100 or 150 activists from each state aren't going to be able to sit at that panel and actually speak to Congress. But there are plenty of, of public seating behind those panels that we can fill, and um, we want every state to be rep- including Alaska and Hawaii. So that's going to cost a lot of money to get those activists, you know, get them all there to D.C. Um, and we do have some ideas on a, on a bigger scale um, to raise some funds. Um, I, I do think, though, on a state level, each state should should be pitching in and you know, the groups, and, and that's one way that even groups that normally don't work together, um, that's, a, that's a way, you know, if, that they can get together and have their own fundraisers um, to be able to donate towards this. So I think that's the biggest oh. thing that everybody can do is pitch in, you know, five, ten bucks to make this happen so that the federal government doesn't make this big decision for us. Right. Yes, Amanda, so, I want to congratulate you. It was very well put, and uh, an organization uh, uh, structure is, is, is peeking out at, at the corner right right at us. Uh, I, I, I want to emphasize what you and I have said in our conversations, what Christian and I have talked about. Uh, let's focus. This is an election year. This is the uh, presidential election year. It's big, big political happenings are, are occurring. And if you look at the candidates, in some of their some of their rallies they have like four or five thousand people and it's magnified by television and it becomes a very important thing. That's what we're trying to do. And instead of five or ten thousand, uh we can have we can talk about hundreds of thousands of people. And mm-hmm. we can do it and Let's emphasize this to 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 the listener, to our listeners, the people who are going to get involved. This is the impossible dream that can happen. By doing this, we can really affect. Can you imagine representatives of our group going to speak to the president, going to speak to the leaders of the House of Representatives and of the Senate? they will be politically thrown in a position that something must be done. It could be one of the most significant things we do as advocacy groups. And mm-hmm. Armanda, you you had an idea, for example. Uh, would you tell the listeners a little bit about uh-huh. scheduling meetings in D.C.? Well, you guys, we, we can't. We've got to, um, Eugene, we've got to go into our next segment, Georgie's Corner. So oh, we're three okay. Minutes- yeah, we're, so we got to um, maybe talk about a little bit one of our future shows. Well, um, Christian, let's, let's uh, bring Amanda back next week if she can come because uh, this is so this is so important. We've got to continue to talk, okay? 
Thank you, Amanda. For sure. I'll catch up with you cats later tonight. All right. Talk to you next time. Love you. Bye. Love you, too. Bye. You guys, that was Amanda Latt, uh, chapter or state coordinator for Parents for Pot in Michigan, and it's A-M-A-N-D-A-L-A-T-Z. You can find her on Facebook. Um, Right now, we're going to go to George Monterano, who served 33 years of a life sentence in prison. And he's been out for a few months now, and he's been coming onto our radio show telling us about his life and what's going on and reading his reading the poems he writes. It's been very, very great. So I'd like you guys to introduce you guys to a hero to all of us, um, our prisoners, our people who aren't in prison. Um, he's just a hero to our whole entire world. Um, this is Mr. George Monterano. He's actually a very good close friend of Eugene's while they're in prison. Good morning, George. Hey, good morning, guys. How are you? Good so morning, nice George. Good morning. Yeah, hey, so Christian, nice to I want to correct you. George isn't uh, just a good friend. George is my brother. Aw. <laughs> yeah, Georgie, we, uh, how's, how's Philadelphia? I understand you are a real celebrity. Oh, well, uh, it's getting, it's getting, uh, it's getting unbelievable. Uh, uh, uh-huh. The the appointments uh nonstop and uh and uh <clears throat> and I'm basically again I'm not sleeping much, I'm out here doing all kinds of stuff and uh it's just unbelievable. It's just uh and what I, I I mean I'm meeting I'm meeting lawyers and I'm meeting producers and stuff like that, but <clears throat> what I really enjoy what I really enjoy is meeting the 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 elder people in the neighborhood who remembered me and, and I walk down the streets and People come up to me, and amazing. And some of them, uh, you know, from across the street and halfway down the block, and uh, dinner parties after dinner parties, uh, uh, in people's homes, and uh, it's just, it's just, uh, you know, I can't, I can't, I can't express it. And uh, oh, let me write. I wrote something. Let me write. Let me, let me, let me read what I wrote before I lose it. I wrote this uh, very early this morning. <clears throat> Actually, I uh, was up uh, and I uh, sat on the curve and in the cold, and I wrote this. And <clears throat> it's called Philly, Sunday morning. The streets do not speak. Hush is the sound from mortar, blacktop, and window pane. With the shoe heel tapping, I move. I feel strong within, for I belong. I am home. And yes, there was a kiss goodbye, soft, true, nay and never a lie. For I am free, free for pure romance and me. But wait, high hill cometh my way. She, as I, leave night of sigh. Her eyes grab, grins wonder. Hello, I say, hi, back she comes. Coffee, I say, sure, she comes. Now another Philly morn has begun. Eyes over cups across table. I tell a bit of me. Ah, she knows the tale. Funny how the world shared me from the prison cell. So what the hell? There shall and will always be still and silent street for just you and someone to meet. That's it. Aww. Uh, that's beautiful. 
That's wonderful, George. I can feel Philadelphia in what you're saying, and I can feel feel you at home. I can feel yes, you at home. This is my home, and uh, I don't want to share with also something. Uh, some years back in the cell, I, with some good people, we created the Creative, Creative Writing Foundation for Children. And we've done some good, very good things over the years. And matter of fact, my ebooks on smashwords.com, ladies and gentlemen, they're, they're not expensive. They're from 99 cents to $1.99. But every penny of that goes to help children. <clears throat> so if anyone wants to see any of my writing, please order from smashwords.com under my author's name, George Martorano. So uh, I don't want to come into Philly and uh, start asking for funds and this and that. So what I design next February 14th at 10 o'clock is just a four-mile run uh, for people to meet me and talk about how we can continue to do good things for the Creative Writing Foundation. So uh, I'm happy with that, and I put that post in that, and I already got some response. So, uh, you know, when you read of such a, a plateau in life, you know, it's not about you anymore, like what you guys are doing, all the advocate work. And uh, <clears throat> and I do all I can for meeting people here because they're all in all that I did. Even though this is a northeast city, it's a very old city, and it has its ways of its own, like New York, Boston. Philadelphia has its own uh, theme to things. But I do share what they did to me for marijuana. I do share that. And uh, <clears throat> there's been a lot of overtures from uh, from government, uh, state government, fed government, as far as reentry programs. Uh, they want to meet me. So uh, even though I'm working with the Creative Writing Foundation, I'm going to still be an advocate for the marijuana situation. And some of my friends that were police officers uh, now retire and they're, they're in big positions now. Basically, they everyone's telling me that we, they don't even pay attention to to weed in this town. They don't pay attention to it. I mean, you could have some in your pocket. You could smoke it on the corner. They they don't. This is the authorities telling me they don't pay attention to it. So I mean, uh, like I said, this is an old northeast Philly, and I'm surprised. I'm surprised at getting the language that I'm getting about uh, how friendly they are towards marijuana. Gene? You know, George, uh, it, it, it uh, enlightens me every time I, I hear you talk about these things. Uh, it's, it's, it's important to understand, even in a state like Philadelphia, uh, in, 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 like Pennsylvania, and in a city like Philadelphia, uh, there is so much uh, that people want to do to change these marijuana laws, and I think it's really, really something that you tell me, tell us that the the police officers themselves kind of ignore people who are who are smoking a joint or or doing marijuana because they know it's it shouldn't be uh, shouldn't be illegal like it is. Well, uh, I was uh, asked by some state authorities about a guy that I haven't seen in 40 years that he's an alcoholic, and they put him away basically a few times. So here's the authorities have asked me, listen, tell the guy to start smoking that marijuana and stop drinking because the drinking is <laughs> so, I mean, it, it, it changed. It really changed the, 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 you know, the talk, the conversation. Here they're telling me, authorities are telling me to tell 
this guy, you know, to uh, start smoking and stop drinking. So wow. it's it's sure it's a, little, a lot of changes, a lot of changes. Uh, George, uh, tell me something. Uh, do you find Philadelphia, uh, after 30-some years away from it, do you find it's very, very different? Do you find there's a lot of similarities to the old Philly? Give us some No, feel. the old Philly's gone. I mean, this is, my neighborhood is one of the most, the most ethnic uh, neighborhoods ever, and they just, uh, they have, they have built every nook and cranny, every square, wherever they can build, they have built in this town, and, the, and you know, some neighborhoods were pretty run down, and they're all rebuilt, and it's, uh, and uh, I think it's good, it's time that, uh, you know, I can do, become a good voice for legalization of marijuana, it's right for it. It's right for it because I just have to uh, create the right uh, meetings and events that I can go go to. Because uh, you know the when you know news we have morning news everywhere and then the violence you know the violence it's just sad you know all these northeast cities have their violence but the violence has nothing to do with marijuana nothing. I mean, so we you know we're not the enemy. I think now this city is very old. It was very police oriented city and not saying that the police are bad but uh now is the time now is the time i believe i could step up to the podium and uh and you know it's an answer for a lot of things marijuana a lot of things the hard drugs the designer drugs i mean they they're uh i had to do i you know i had to do an intervention intervention specialist i'm being asked i had to do an intervention with a young girl uh, and she's on these drugs, these, uh, and uh, if she was on marijuana, she wouldn't be in the position that she is. So you actually can use it. You actually can use it as deterrent to save people's lives in these north, in this northeast city, Gene. Yeah, I, as I hear you say that, George, it's it's. Uh, I, I think the listeners understand. You get mellow. No one gets violent when you're when you're doing marijuana, and we know what happens when you do alcohol. So many people go to violence. So yeah, that's I know, a I've major. Done that. I've done that a couple times. Okay, okay. Well, remind me I'm when I take it. you on, take you on a date, and not not to buy your beer or take a joint, Christine. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I only did it a couple times, but yeah. I can't um, imagine you being violent ever, Christine. <laughs> ever. I don't know. Sometimes when I drink, I, a little vicious side of me comes out, and I have I have been known to do some things that I probably shouldn't do. That's why I tend to, you know, stay away from alcohol as much as I possibly can. Well, like I said, it's this, a, it's this, a, this a, is my co-defendant, my lovely co-defendant, <laughs> and I, I'll defend her to the end because I love her. <laughs> she she's such a good good gal, and yeah. Georgie. Uh, give us, give us, give us an update because we got before we get you off today. Please give us an update about your your lovely, wonderful mother. Oh yeah, well, mom, me and mom, uh, we come. Uh, we're not only <clears throat> mother and son; we're sisters, uh, brother and sisters. She's a companion. I take her out, and she's eighty-seven, and she doesn't look it. She dresses so nice, and. We go out, and uh, uh, the people everywhere we go, they, she, they just make a big fuss over, and, uh, and it's just amazing. We got, I, 
we take us some nicer. You know, I live in a very uh, neighborhood full of uh, all types of restaurants. It's like the Greenwich Village here in New York. So we don't even have to take a car. We just walk, and there's some beautiful places. And every time we go, when they just the red carpets out for her, and she just she just loves it. She loves it, you know. And uh, you know, she was she she was a restaurant owner, and uh, my father took her all over all over the world, et cetera. And you know, now that I'm home, I'm, I brought that back into her life where she can dress up, and I just take her out. And I enjoy it just just as much as her, even more so. Gene? George, uh, for the listeners' uh, sake, let me just say this. you got to understand, uh, I come from New York, and I come from the ethnicities of New York. Uh, this is an old Italian family. This is a, an Italian mother and her son. That, of course, there's going to be that warmth and beauty and a lot of the people you know are going to be the same ethnic group and so on, and they just, uh, it's its its a loving uh, embrace of everybody. Right, George? It's just amazing. And uh, and uh, even she gets in conversations and, uh, and uh, about marijuana. You know, my son did all that time for marijuana, and she heals other people's ailments, whether they're, uh, you know, in pain and this and that. And she tells them, talk to my son. He'll tell you how to help yourself. You're in pain. You know, go get, she says, she laughs. She says, go get the edibles. Go smoke a joint. You'll be okay. <laughs> so, God bless her. God bless right, her. Right. Yeah. Okay, I mean, Georgie. Okay. I'll see you guys um, next week. Always a pleasure. George, I just I want to tell you huh? how, how enjoyable, George, if you're still there, I just want to tell you how enjoyable it is to hear what freedom sounds like to you, what freedom is like for you every single week. Oh, it's overwhelming. I make, <clears throat> make making more and more overtures. I have to be at theater groups. I have to be with producers. It's just amazing. It's just amazing. And, uh, you know, like I said, I shared myself from the cell and the right light. And that's what I try to teach all my students over the years. You can help yourself if you have to do it in the right way, even from the cell like Gene did. So, okay. Until we meet again. I'm proud proud to call you my friend, my brother. And uh, I want our listeners to know one point. Let's just make this one point. The fact that George Maturano is free is what this group vow stands for. That's what it's all about. Why should a man of this caliber spend even one day in jail, much less 33 years? Yep. Very few years for not that much marijuana. It's about basically uh, 2,600 pounds. And fast as I said it, they have already smoked it in America. And that's, uh, that's basically it. So maybe, maybe one of these days, George, in one of the, the segments of the program, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about your trial and how you got set up in that and, and oh, so on. Geez. I mean, I got lawyers that all over the city, when they bump into me, they want to hear the story. <clears throat> and some of them are very prominent attorneys, and the young ones, young ones would just follow me around, and I tell them, you're not ready to hear the story. The elder statesmen are first. You get, you wait. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you, George. Maturano. Wonderful, okay. wonderful person. Thank you very much, George. All right. All right. All right. Take care.
Bye bye. All right, you guys just listen to Georgie's Corner, and what's so special about Georgie's Corner is that this is this is a fifteen minute segment donated to a man who was who has taken thirty three years out of his out of his out of his life to have to sit behind bars for our plant um, that's never even hurt anybody. So um, we are very honored, extremely honored to have George Monterano to join us every week. Um, if you don't if you don't listen to the show. Um, for us and for our other listeners, listen to the show for George because he his voice is so powerful. Um, the next person we're going to go to is an, a medical marijuana attorney from Southern California. And we mentioned this earlier, but he is representing um, the on- ONAC um, tribal um, the ONAC Tribal Church, because they sent a package through the mail, and last week we heard from Joy Graves, who's one of the spiritual leaders, and the package was intercepted by by the U.S. Postal Service, and that caused one of Joy Graves' um, church members to not be doing very well. He actually is sick because he was waiting on his medicine. Um, so they demanded to the post office return their medicine, and the post office is not returning the medicine. So now Matt Pappas, is representing a case, um, their case, as they're trying to, they're going to be, it's going to be heard in a federal court as they're suing the U.S. Postal Office for their package back. Um, Matt Pappas is also representing them because they are opening up, uh, they're opening up some stores in Southern California to where they'll be able to use marijuana as a sacrament and be able to sell it to other church Members is what I believe is what's going on. So we're going to talk to him about, we're also going to get his viewpoints as to why we would deschedule or reschedule. So here is Matt Pappas. Good morning, Matt. Well, hi. How are you? Hi, this is Eugene and Kristen. How are you? Well, I'm good, Eugene and Kristen. I haven't talked to either of you for a while, but I did see Mindy recently. Yes. He told me all about it. He told me how great you were standing up there representing representing Joy. In fact, we at the Voice of the Cannabis War, um, I'm close with Joy, and um, when we were part of the Human Solution, we were close with Joy. She's one of our favorite people, and I, I love her church, and I love her church members. Um, we helped her with a case um, where the prosecutor was trying to send her to jail because of her using her sacrament, and the prosecutor ended up um, – one of our one of our members found the prosecutor wearing holding up a peace sign and was smoking a blunt in front of a weed a weed thing. So Joy had a T shirt made and and wore it to court and her charges got dropped. And then now this is going on. So what's 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 going on? Well, you know, we have the Oklahoma Native American Church, which is uh, a uh, and there are many Native American churches out there. It's part of the Native American religion, founded by James Mooney, who's the spiritual leader. Back in 1997, James has a long, long history in um, uh, as an indigenous American person. Uh, the church, and of course this is common for uh, a lot of the Native American people, uh, they believe in the... Uh, importance of Mother Earth and Father Sky and the Great Spirit and and, and plants, uh, that plants can heal anything. And so for hundreds, thousands of years, uh, they have used and uh, 
found and uh, provided plants to their uh, culture and society. It's really a sacred part of what they do in terms of rituals and ceremonies. Uh, and and one of those plants, of course, there's 4,000 plants, so I don't, I don't want to focus solely on cannabis because cannabis is just one of thousands of plants in more recent years, along with uh, most of society, because prohibition has been being eaten away at by different state laws and the uh, work that's been going on by the activists and people out there. We've learned about the value of uh, cannabis in terms of its its uh, in, in terms of health and healing, and so in the healing rituals and as a sacrament, it has been used quite often uh, by various parts of the Native American religion. Then there are, of course, parts that don't use it, parts that use other things. Uh, in Oklahoma, the uh, America, it is one of the main sacraments, one of the main healing. Uh, sacraments and joy of course as a medicine woman uh, uses it regularly what's happened is the you know it's it's the same thing we've had for many many years we've had the uh, anti uh, cannabis propaganda going on and so it just becomes a big deal that suddenly you know we're finding out that uh, cannabis is used as a sacrament by uh, indigenous American people Joy had sent some cannabis uh, sacrament plants to Ohio via the mail system, which is one of the systems that in a case a number of years ago, Native Americans are to use for the transportation of their sacraments. And it was intercepted at the Portland Post Office by some officious intermeddler who apparently doesn't understand that uh, under religious laws in this country and provisions of the Oregon state constitution uh, that, that of course this can be used as a sacrament. So they intercepted it and they've taken it and it did not get to a woman, a member of the church back in Ohio and a, uh, a another church member who's a medicine person did not get to, to those folks. The woman had or has esophageal cancer. Uh, and so it's just a, another attack uh, different, different of course than what we've had with, some of the secular side things, but another attack on cannabis. And it's just inappropriate. It is inappropriate. It is inappropriate. And I'm, I'm worried about this because there is a, a federal, is it a federal law that says that they can use it for medical, medical reasons. But I, I don't, I don't understand is why would the post office, which is a federally, federally, uh, is a federal entity, why wouldn't they honor that part of it? Why are they honoring the part that says it's a Schedule One drug? Well, some some folks out there, and there's some articles that have come out. I was talking with Joy about a couple of them because there's some misunderstandings out there about the law. And, and really, this isn't about uh, an individual being Native American or an indigenous American person. It's, it's not about that. It's about laws that protect people's religious freedom. Uh, and, and I give this example, it's been in a couple of the articles, and it's, it's really designed to illustrate that uh, religious freedom laws that we have at the federal level are, are designed to ensure that laws of general applicability, state laws, local laws, federal laws of general applicability, uh, are not, cannot substantially burden religious rights. There was a woman back in Massachusetts who was a member of the 
Church of the Spaghetti Monster, and she wanted to wear a colander on her head for her driver's license. <laughs> she wears a colander on her head all the time. And apparently it's to protect from beams from aliens. Now, you we giggle at that, but the fact is she sincerely believes those those things. And right. you know, well, I'm here getting set of her on the non-religious side as a as a lawyer for the rights. This country was founded because folks in England and on the continent, the continent of Europe were being persecuted uh, back hundreds and hundreds of years ago, and they were being brutalized by the majority religions. And so they came to uh, what is this country to escape that persecution. So one of the things we've embedded into our law are protections for uh, religious freedom. So whether somebody believes that they need to have a colander on their head or they believe in the sacramental use of cannabis or ayahuasca or peyote. These, uh, these beliefs are their beliefs, and it's not up to other people, that's why we have the religious freedom law, to, to evaluate the validity of somebody's religious beliefs. But apparently, right. when it comes to cannabis, we can. See, that's, and that's happened, that doesn't just happen with, uh, with, on the religious side. You look at the raids and things that go on in California, and, and I deal with those regularly, and you see that governments regularly violate the Constitution and statutory rights of people. They violate rights of people by putting them in prison and in jail because it somehow relates to cannabis. And, and we're, we're going to need to change that in this country. But here in this case, uh, when you have a religious belief, and that belief is genuine, it's sincere, not valid because we can't inquire into the validity of the belief. We can't inquire into whether the colander is an appropriate thing to have or whether cannabis is uh, an appropriate thing for the particular that's not that's not up to us to review. Otherwise we'd be on this slippery slope evaluating which religions are valid. But the person that we're that's subject to the attack or the lawsuit or criminal charges, that person sincerely believes religiously in uh in what they're saying, in those beliefs, then it raises the level of review of the law for determining whether or not it is a valid law from what we normally uh, use, which is rational basis, which means the government just... So we have this law, and so if they can assert any rational basis for it, the law will be deemed valid. It raises it from that to a very high level called strict scrutiny. And... uh, Numerous cases, one in particular from 2006, which, which involved ayahuasca, which is another uh, plant used by indigenous American people in ceremonies. Not by all of them. Again, there's some uh, parts of the Native American, some tribes that will have used that, some that don't. But ayahuasca is made from a vine that comes from Brazil, and it's a Schedule One controlled substance. Curiously, uh, the main uh, sacraments that have been used for hundreds of years by indigenous American people, for some reason, they're all listed on Schedule One of the Federal Controlled Substance, wow. which, I, which appears to me to be a, I mean, it appears to continue the discriminatory behavior towards indigenous American people. You know, Kristen, uh, over hundreds of years, the uh, government of this country has has slaughtered. Native Americans. And so it, it just, 
it doesn't surprise me that all wow. of their sacraments that have been used ritually are on Schedule One. But ayahuasca yeah. is on Schedule One, and so we were we were talking today about the Schedule One and verses versus reverses or um, descheduling versus rescheduling. And I was going over the list of the Schedule One drugs, and I noticed that peyote was also a Schedule One drug. It is, and see, there's a there's that a statutory. There's a statutory well. there's a statutory exemption for peyote, which came about after ERFA in the nineteen seventies was enacted by Congress and several cases. And so there's a statutory uh basis for the use of that in federal law by American indigenous people. But there's not for ayahuasca. And in two thousand six this church in New Mexico was bringing that in. The DEA attacked the church. The church went to court under the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, the RFRA, which has nothing to do with uh, your blood type being having Native American blood in it. it. It has to do with religious beliefs. They went in under this law, which applies to the federal government's laws, and it went all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court, where John Roberts, the now uh, chief justice of the court, uh, wrote in his holding, and it was uh, a, a unanimous decision with the exception of one justice, Samuel Alito, who did not participate in the case, uh, where the court found that the Federal Controlled Substances Act does not meet that strict scrutiny standard in respect to ayahuasca and uh, uh, that Schedule I uh, drug, purposes of the religious practices here in that case. And uh, so found that, of course, this church could continue to use it, its members could, because there was not a compelling government interest uh, that the Controlled Substances Act addressed uh, that was the least restrictive mechanism, that that was the restric least restrictive mechanism to address that compelling government interest. And, and that's, that's the law that were, that law as well as a subsequent law that applies to state and local governments, the Religious Land Use and Institutionalized Persons Act. Those are the laws that are really at play here with respect to cannabis. And uh, Joy's Joy's rights were breached as a member of the church, as a person that believes this religion, were breached when the federal government, the Postal Service, intervened and took uh, the sacramental cannabis that was being sent to Ohio. Those rights were breached, and they don't, they're going to show government interest. Uh, uh, and that the CSA is the least restrictive means of addressing that compelling government interest. And that's the question when it comes to a religious belief. There was a case in 2014 called Hobby Lobby, which was about a uh, people who were the majority owners of a privately held company, Hobby Lobby. And they were Christian, and they did not agree with provisions of the ACA, the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, that related to contraception and abortion. And so they didn't want to pay into that. And the case, again, went to the U.S. Supreme Court. The U.S. Supreme Court found, of course, under the RFRA, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, that their rights were uh, being abridged, that it, they, the, the laws could not meet that high standard, the compelling government interest standard. And they won that case at the Supreme Court. Same thing applies here. And it doesn't just apply for the majority religions. It doesn't just apply for Christianity uh, or Judaism. It applies for, and it's, it's really, these laws are really targeted at and provided for um, smaller religions that, that don't have the uh, 
don't have everybody's approval and that might be different to us. Like the woman who wore the colander on her head. You know, the Department of Motor Vehicles said, no, we're not going to take your picture with that on your head. She went to court and, of course, violates her religious rights, and they ordered that she be able to have that picture taken with the colander on her head. So, Matt, let's take this one step further. Um, We have also, with this Native American church, they want to open up a store so they can serve their church members. And is what I understand is I read the article um, that's been going around, and is it the city that is going that is not wanting them to open up? Or what what exactly is going on down there um, with with the stores not being able to be opened? Cities are uh, just utterly discriminatory in respect to anything having to do with marijuana in Southern California. You've got a ninety seven percent banning rate by uh, cities, and so in California they have a there was a Supreme Court case, state Supreme Court case a few years ago called City of Riverside versus Inland Empire, which said that cities have zoning and land use authority to ban uh, medical marijuana dispensaries. So many of the cities have been closing these dispensaries down. The church, because of uh, its uh, the process that goes on, members uh, may obtain different sacraments from the church. The dispensary locations are uh, somewhat compatible with what the church does in providing sacraments to its members. Uh, Also, there is a big problem, Kristen, with uh, landlords wanting to lease to uh, entities that have anything to do with marijuana, peyote, ayahuasca, San Pedro, uh, those different sacraments that are used by the Native American church. So... Uh, we've found that the landlords are open to working with the church when a dispensary has been closed down and it's in a place where uh, the church is looking to grow its membership. And and one of the uh, dictates, the edicts of the church's spiritual leader, James Mooney, is that we grow the membership of the church limited to people of Native American blood. You'll see a number of racist articles that are out uh, coming from people uh, that 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 claim to be Native Americans and and say that they're federally recognized. And let me remind you that federally recognized means Native Americans agree that the entity, so many of them, is the entity authorized to determine who is a Native American, and that is not correct. That would be being brainwashed by the United States into that thought process. Many of these people work for the United States. Uh, There's one woman in particular that's a judge, and and she attacks Mr. Mooney. Mr. Mooney, if you go back hundreds of years ago, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, when people first, white people first started arriving on the shores of what is now the United States, Native Americans were open to them. They helped them. We have Thanksgiving as a celebration uh, between Native Americans and, and the people who'd come over uh, in, in cooperation. It is not a closed, exclusive thing where we're only open to people that have a blood type. Okay, and so James Mooney in Oklahoma, uh, it's open to people, religion is a belief, who believe in these ideas. It's important we believe in uh, keeping the earth uh, healthy. Uh, we, we see what's happening to our planet. We see global warming. We see the destruction of the rainforest that, that could be providing so many more healing plants. And so 
one of the important goals of the church is to expand membership so that there are people that understand that and embrace the idea of saving Mother Earth. Well, these uh, dispensaries that are closing down can be taken, and within a week or months, most of the time the landlords are open to leasing to the Native American church. They're not closed-minded, discriminatory people, and we're able to negotiate those leases and get the dispensaries to become uh, church branches. And the church branches have these uh, circle of fire areas where members can meet. And they also have an area where sacraments can be distributed to members. Members come in and, and, and that's similar to, it's similar to the concept of a dispensary, but it's different in that it's for church members. Um, so we have uh, started, and, and there have been, these facilities, Kristen, in California for several years. There are several in Los Angeles. There are several up in Northern California. Okay. And so they're opening up in Orange County. And uh, yeah. we have, of course, the same attacks going on. And that's what you're reading about in those articles. Okay. Um, Eugene, are you still there? <clears throat> yes. Uh, okay. Matt, okay. good morning. Uh uh, I, I just wanted to uh, ask you a question. Uh, the basic thing is the freedom of, of of religion facet of our whole entity of being Americans it, it is more important than a law which restricts marijuana, and that's the basic conflict you're talking about, uh, the legal conflict presently, isn't it? Yeah, in a nutshell, Eugene, it is uh, that, you know, we have and, and we've done Congress has done this and this, many of the states have done this. We place great importance on religious beliefs and the and, and the freedom of people to choose the religion that they practice. And because of that, uh, laws that substantially burden religious beliefs, the free exercise of religion, are subject to greater scrutiny. And, and, and the U.S. Supreme Court has said that the Federal Controlled Substance Act, they said this in 2006, the Federal Controlled Substance Act does not uh, meet that strict scrutiny examination when applied to religious beliefs. And so, uh, you know, it's a case-by-case -case analysis, but generally that's what that case says. And uh, you look at the Hobby Lobby case and others, yes, those religious beliefs are very important. We're not going to, we're not going to take a law, and this is what what I think is, there's another argument I have seen very important here. Uh, back in uh, 2010, 2011, after there had been this great fury of states going out and passing discriminatory laws against uh, marriages between LGBT individuals, uh, between gay individuals, when states had done that, uh, a number of lawsuits were filed. One of those lawsuits was filed in San Francisco against California's Proposition 8 by two lawyers that I guess we all probably know because they're famous from the Bush-Gore case in 2000. Those two lawyers filed the case in San Francisco. Uh, they were at odds with the Gore case, Olson and uh, this David Boyce fellow. They filed it in San Francisco, and they alleged that the Proposition 8 wasn't even didn't even meet the lowest standard, the rational basis standard. And they prevailed uh, in that concept that, that even this, the, the law uh, banning uh, gay marriage didn't meet the rational basis standard. 
So it didn't have to even be elevated up to that strict scrutiny standard. It's my opinion that the Federal Controlled Substances Act, which is part of the Comprehensive Drug Abuse Prevention and Control Act of 1971, the purpose of that law is to combat the recreational abuse of drugs. The medical use of cannabis is not that. Not even a rational basis to apply it that way when there are state laws, of course, providing for patients and individuals suffering from disability and serious illness. So uh, for religion, yes, it elevates that review. Uh, but even if that review is not elevated, when you look at the purpose of the law, uh, it certainly is, it does not address even rationally uh, the types of things medical cannabis laws are enacted to address. So, so Matt, we only have um, about two more minutes left. And since we're talking about the Schedule One laws, um, we really want your opinion. Because you're like a, an attorney, so your opinion is, is like gold to us. What would you say about uh, descheduling versus rescheduling? Well, the first thing is that we don't want to have attorneys' opinions be gold, and here's why. Congress. Oh, okay, let us know. 90% of Congress is lawyers, okay, and they're the ones that, that came up with the idea of passing that Comprehensive Drug Abuse uh, Control Act in 1971, uh, and they went beyond the enumerated powers granted them under the Constitution. So without going into a big dissertation about that, uh, descheduling versus rescheduling. Well, if we reschedule, that means that we're leaving cannabis within the realm of control of the Controlled Substances Act. The Controlled Substances Act is a big, giant law. It doesn't just address who, you know, what drugs are illegal. It addresses how drugs are manufactured, how manufacturing companies have to exist, how drug manufacturers have to have so much capital and be inspected by the Drug Enforcement Administration, leaves everything under the control of this federal agency that never should have been developed anyway, the DEA. So if you reschedule cannabis in the Controlled Substances Act, what you're going to do is you're going to leave it under the control of those people. What's going to happen if it's in Schedule Two? and you read the CSA, it puts all sorts of restrictions on manufacturing. And under the CSA, cultivation is the same as manufacturing. That's what that is. So drug manufacturers have to have millions of dollars of capital in, uh, under the CSA. They have to have, there's all sorts of restrictions on them. So my feeling about rescheduling is that's not good. It, it, you know, right. it, it, it is going to damage and destroy what I think is something that goes beyond typical Western CSA is designed around pharmaceutical, chemical-produced medications. And cannabis is a plant that addresses a whole bunch of different ailments. So let's go back. The Native Americans were right. It should be descheduled. It should be left to the states to regulate, as the law was prior to 1937, and the federal government beginning to interfere with uh, interfere with states' rights. You go back to 1937. I'll try not to be long-winded because you said we have only a minute. But uh, you go back to 1937 and the testimony of Dr. Woodward from the uh, uh, AMA, the American Medical Association, before the committee looking to uh, determine whether we should enact the Marijuana Stamp Tax Act, the first real prohibition at the federal level. And his testimony, although it included and I saw Michael Minardi, another lawyer, had posted this on Facebook, um, but, but I'd seen it previously as well, read the testimony. 
so you can see it on there. If you look on Facebook, his posts have been going around. The fact is, a lot of what he was talking about is that the federal government shouldn't be interfering in this area, that it creates a slippery slope. And that's really become the problem with a lot of laws that are going on in this country. So, uh, no, I don't think it should be rescheduled. I think it needs to be descheduled. And I think it needs to be left to state and local governments, despite my animosity for the cities. Thank you, Matthew Pappas. Um, me and Eugene agree with me. We also think it should be descheduled. Um, we feel like, well, I feel like the categories it's in that doesn't even fit in any of those categories. And now that you've added the fact that why it's even deeperly why we shouldn't have it scheduled is just amazing. And we thank you. Um, Eugene, is there any final thoughts um, you want to give to Matt before we move on to our next interview? No, I'd just like to thank Matt for coming on our show and being, as usual, elegant self and expressing some things that our listeners uh, uh, were educated in. And I'd like to invite you again, Matt, to come back uh, on a regular, more regular basis with, to be on our show. Well, you know, I'd I'm, I'm, I'm love to do that, Eugene. And I, I want to tell you and Kristen and Mindy, the whole group, you guys do an excellent job, I think. All of the advocacy organizations out there that are working together and being positive about one another from THSI, you guys, and the many others, that when we work together towards uh, resolving this issue and we're on the same page, it really makes a big difference. And these radio shows, the uh, activism, getting the word out is, is very important. So I'm, I'm happy to do that. And thank you guys very much for having me today. You're welcome. Thank In fact, you. Matt, we have... Thank you, Matt. That was Matthew Pappas. He's one of our um, one of our best MMJ attorneys down in Southern California. Um, we also have Joy Graves on the line, but we're going to bring her up in, in just in about ten minutes or so, um, just to add some of her final thoughts regarding his, her uh, her Matt Pappas's interview with us today. But first, we're going to go to some really good news. Um, I'm personally a friend of. Martin Nickerson, who is the owner of Northern Cross Collective out here in Washington. It's a case that we've been following in Washington for uh, about four years now. Um, They've been calling them to court every month or so, every couple months. Him and his two other co-defendants, Poppy Sidhu and Chris Ramsey. And uh, last week, they had, or the week before last, um, in fact, they were prepared to take their case all the way to trial. Um, Martin reached drastic measures as he spoke on stages everywhere he possibly could. He even called out New Jersey Weedman to come out and help advocate for his case from New Jersey. Um, anything he could do um, to keep him and his co-defendants free. And so we're going to let him tell us some of the good news right from his mouth. Um, we I told it last week, but we didn't hear it officially from him yet. So welcome, Martin, to the radio show today. Hello, how are you? This, we're good. This is the Voices of the Cannabis War, and we've got Eugene Fisher here um, on the line. And we are so interested to hear what, what your good news is and what it feels like. Oh, it feels pretty good. Um, it's kind of a different feeling for me. I mean, I'm, I'm used <laughs> to going to court and having bad news, you know. <laughs> so you it's, a, it's a good got- thing. You went to court and got good news. Why don't you tell us exactly what the good news was for our listeners? Well, yeah, the um, I had known kind of before, but I um, kind of got in trouble for saying it ahead of time, that I knew that our charges were going to be dismissed 
so um, yeah, our charges were dismissed about I think it was almost three weeks ago now. So wow. yeah, we went Hi. to court, and the, the good news was, and it was kind of um, it's a new judge who's in Whatcom County there, and it was kind of it went into a little bit of an argument as the judge was like, "Well, this has went on for a long time. Why are you guys just dropping it?" And, why is Mr. Nickerson just going to go free? And I think she was asking the question in her head, why did we waste the taxpayers' dollars for so long? I know. So she she seems like a pretty good judge. She's a new judge in Whatcom County. So, um, But uh, the prosecutor, uh, Mr. Holbert, um, came out and said that he did, doesn't want to pursue um, charging us anymore. And doesn't feel that our case is, you know, valid enough to go forward with. Nice, nice. So there is bad news because you still face a tax, a tax chart, a tax chart, um, tax yeah. charges. Um, they want you to pay taxes. And we're hoping that in the future, one of our future um, shows that we can t- sit down and talk more about that tax case. But um, as your co-defendants are set free, you know you're still you're still hanging there with this other case. What's what's happening with that? Um, that's going up to um, the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, that's I've got a new lawyer named um, Linnell Nesbaum going to be um, taking pretty much over that case that Doug has got it up to this level. And great job by Douglas Hyatt. Um, getting it to this um, level, I believe this tax case is, if not, you know, probably the biggest case that medical has, you know, for, and just, it's a lot of repercussions if, you know, we were to lose this case too. So um, there just has never been um, taxation um, on any legislation on medical marijuana. So we just want to see a tax code of where they're coming, you know, coming off on sending us bills for $11.9 million. Wow. Because um, I know that we definitely don't have anything close to that. All right. So, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a big case, and um, it's coming up here. I don't have an exact date. I will be getting... Um, I will be giving dates on that. And there's a lot to talk about on the tax case, but I know we don't have the time for that today. But I really um, would love to get some more support on the tax case because it's a huge case and it's um, it's got a lot of weight on the community. Okay. All right. Well, Martin, um, I believe hopefully we'll be hearing from you on the 21st. Um, we could talk more about the tax case. Um, awesome. And I just want to say, you know, you you guys did, you and your co-defendants did such a good job advocating for your rights. Like, you guys were out there for four years telling people about jury nullification and saying that you don't deserve to basically go to prison for a plant. And at one point, you were facing 30 years. For for four years, you were looking at 30 years in prison. And um, I think it's really cool how you guys stood up for your your rights and had been fighting. I I appreciate that. Not taking deals. Thank you. not, Not snitching on each other, you know. Um, I always say the two ways we can end prohibition right now is, one, by not snitching on each other because then the government won't mm-hmm. have information to prosecute, and for two, by saying not guilty. And that's exactly what you and your co-defendants did. So 
that's very honorable of you guys to stand together for this long. I know it was hard. I watched you guys, and it's tough, but you guys are really Yeah, it's, it's a, it was definitely a, hard, definitely a hard go, but there's nothing more that I hate than a snitch. So, you for know, sure. um, you could have sure. – everybody will definitely know that I will always stay strong and stay true to the community and to the patients. For sure, for sure. Well, thank you, Martin. Um, and we can't wait to talk to you in the future. And thank congratulations you. on on your freedom and to your other descendants, uh, Poppy and Chris. Congratulations to them also. For sure. Thank All you right. very much. Have a great day. Thank you. You too, Martin. Bye. Bye. All right, you guys. That was Martin Nickerson, uh, defendant that stood up and said, no more, we're not going to go to jail for a plant. And um, it worked. He's, they're not in jail for a plant. Um, next, we're gonna, we have two more calls. We have Tom Corby and we have Joy Graves, and we have to do our closing soon. So we don't have very much time. So we're going to go to Joy Graves and find out what her final thoughts are regarding uh, the interview we just had with Matthew Pappas and how she's hanging in there with this loss. Good morning, Joy. Good morning, Kristen. Uh, Eugene's here too. Eugene, good, morning. Good, morning. good morning. Good morning. So good we to have you a- back on. We had a great, great defense of your of your case by Matt uh, Pappas. We'd like to hear your own words on on, on what you think about. What, well, I think that, I think Matt is absolutely a godsend for all of all of us. That are that are standing for the defense of cannabis and Aquabene American Church. I think that he is just proving himself to be just the right warrior that is needed to get the changes done that that need to be done regarding the liberation oh, of the planet. I think he, I think he he everything he said is is just right on. You know, one hundred percent. And he he does it with such finesse and such logic. And you know, it it just. I, I really don't know what I could add to what he said, you know. <laughs> I mean, just to reemphasize that, you know, liberation is not legalization. Um, you know, a Native American is anybody born on the continent called the Americas, not a bloodline. Um, and, you know, I mean, I think that everybody should be joining together in, in unifying in the defense of cannabis as a sacrament. I mean, it goes back through religious histories, back you know, all the way back to the Egyptian times, um, you know, as far as spiritual connection with creator and, and medicinally, I think, you know, I mean, the government, I think, is, is the best person to point out there and say, look at their <laughs> patent. They know it's medicine. They, You know, this is ridiculous. And, and I just I'm, I'm so glad that we have Matt on our side and is willing to step up and go to the mat with us. And hopefully we'll get this done by by summer, hopefully get it liberated or at least another step closer instead of sidestepping like all of, all of our wolves seem to want to do, selling it out, exploiting it, taxing it. Oh, this is all okay. You know, it's not okay. This is a plant, and, and we all have a right to the earth. Creator gave us all the medicines for a reason. Everything that he created is supposed to be holy and sacred and you know, hopefully we'll just we'll just prove the government is the fools that they're being. They need to stop infringing in our in our lives. You know, all of us. You shouldn't have to be yeah, sick. You, you shouldn't have to wait until you're terminal. You know, to and then hope that you live in the right boundary 
um, you know, or if you have access person. to a plant, they can they can heal you. Yeah. Right. I'm preaching to the choir, I know. <laughs> well, no, our listeners our listeners need to hear. Like it's so it's so um, you know, and I and I know Eugene last week he mentioned to you about his participation with the with the um tribal members behind bars, but like when my dad was Absolutely. suffering so bad. Well, yeah, well, when my dad was in prison in uh, Montana, like he was suffering so bad, Joy, and the the other Indian, um, the Indians in his church or in his in the prison with him, they helped him every day. They like put things on his legs and they said things to him, and they they just they helped him get through the worst time of his life, along with other people too. But you know, he remembers. Yeah. My, I remember my dad telling me how much they were helping him. So, um, yeah. I love to hear your voice on our Sunday morning show. Last week you sounded like <laughs> you sounded like church well, last week. I felt good. It felt really good to hear you. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that yeah. the, you know the bottom line is is we got to go back to like what John Trudell was trying to emphasize through his years of activism, um, and that is that you know all these labels, um, you know, they, they, these have all been created. We are all human beings. That's the species that we are that created made us. We're all equal as far as he's concerned, our skin color, our hair color, our blood type, none of this stuff, you know, I mean, there, there's a, there's a point to DNA. Creator has his reasons for these things, but it's not to say that, you know, someone born on a reservation with a, with a red colored skin is, is better anymore than a person of the black hoop or the yellow hoop. You know, we're, we're all one people. We're all one tribe. That's the bottom line goal that Aqualah is here to try to do is, is to, is to fulfill that that seventh fire times that James initiated when when he got the the Utah ruling and got this out from blood quantum and and back to it. We have been among, we have been the mongrels. Those of us that are born with what they call the white or the Caucasian skin, we've been mongrelized because we were born here, and 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 because of their lines of separation between the first peoples born here. And and us, based on the skin color, has deprived us from the knowledge of of our birthright inheritance and obligations to this land, you know. And and so Aqua and, and my church, that's what our goal is. Our goal is to kind of make everybody kind of go stop, you know. Why are you following these lines of separation, division? We were all born here, and and the tribal elders have the knowledge that we all need to live with the earth instead of off of her. You know, and if we don't get it together and unite as a people and preserve our rights and our freedoms and our liberties, you know, and start listening to what the elders have to teach, then there's not going to be a, a future of any quality for for the children and the grandchildren yet to come. And so, you know, that's what our goal is ultimately. We do not require a blood quantum. We do not care the color of your skin. We don't believe it's our place to, to question or condemn you for your religious practices or beliefs. You feel comfortable going to a Catholic church by all means, then that's where creator wants you to be. You know, we don't discriminate. We don't require you be a bloodline or, or any of that. We don't even, Aquaba doesn't even require that you be a, a native born American on the continent or even live here. I have members in my church that are in Australia that have never been here. You know, this isn't about that. This is, to us, this is about unification. Like, Creator wants us to be all one people, you know, striving for the good of of preserving and respecting his creation. That's what our goal is. 
and we welcome everybody in the Agula who who shares that belief and and is willing to step up and help you know preserve the rights and freedoms of those who who can't, including the plants and the animals. You know, this is this is bigger than just the humans. You know, this plant is needed by all. It was given to all of the species here. And and so, you know, that's what we believe. And, and um, you know, I mean, Kristen, you know, you know, the earth yeah. would be so much healthier itself if they would well, just allow it to be growing wild and free. I kind of feel like... Joy, um, Joy I want to make a point on what you're saying uh, concerning uh, all people being... Uh, accepted in, by, by the Native American community. In, when I was in prison, uh, there was always a, a section of the prison that was uh, uh, a section for Native Americans to have a sweat lodge and, and uh, uh-huh. uh, worship in. And it was my experience. I, I participated, and it, was, and it was my experience that people of all races and colors became part of that those groups and it was a very powerful thing in prison very very powerful absolutely thing. absolutely well you, absolutely well you guys we we got to move on to our next caller joy but what you say it sounds so so beautiful like for us to you even mention that even outside our continent and like when you think about it if we all did what you followed your religion that imagine not an impact that we would have on our world but on our whole entire universe um so absolutely. i i I love you guys, and I want to thank you for coming on the show today. And of course, Matt Pappas, and your guys' fight is golden is golden to our whole nation. And um, I, we appreciate your fight, and we're here. Um, do you know when your next court date is for um, the post office? I haven't heard anything on the injunction. Um, okay. I know there's going to be more paperwork. There's in the process of being filed. Um, and then as far as when they uh, retaliated and actually arrested me a few hours after we filed the injunction, um, I'm supposed oh. to be in court in Lynn County on March 2nd at 2 o'clock, um, which is is likely not going to happen because that's my father's birthday. And, you know, after what they put me through when I had to bury him with Lynn County with that 56-year prison threat for a two-foot plant, I'm just not willing to go through that kind of PTSD for them. So I'm going to push for that to be rescheduled. But as of now, that's the only court date that I know of. And that's where, you know, 13 and a half hours later, you know, they're saying that I'm too intoxicated by by three puffs of cannabis to drive. So, and arrested me. So just, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. and then made me stay another nine hours in jail, saying they wanted to make sure I wasn't still too intoxicated. So yeah, it was it was a wonderful <laughs> experience. Aww. But hopefully, you know, with Matt, like I said, Matt is Matt is is godsend warrior for for Aquaba so, and, and to get Oregon situated, and hopefully the rest of the damn you know government as well, and to- get them. Um, I liked what he did. I, I liked what he did in in Southern California with the um, raids, where the police were eating the brownies. How he handled that situation was really awesome too. But um, oh yeah, I'm gonna thank. You. <laughs> yeah, he's cool. He's cool. So all right, well, thank you, Joy, very much. We appreciate it. Again. All right, all you right. You guys bye-bye. be well, and Eugene, I look forward to speaking with you. Yes, Joy. Thank you again. All right, you guys be well. Going good way. Thank you. All right, you guys, we have one more caller. Um, we don't have a lot of time. Um, we just have a few minutes because we also have about five minutes worth of closing. So 
But we're going to talk to Tom Corby, who represents the Human Solution in International in Northern California. He's the chapter coordinator up there. And so that means what he does is he gets people together for court support and prison outreach. And that's what they do is they end the war through um, those, those, two, two, those two ways. Um, good, and he also, him and his wife also faced charges at one point um, and are free people today. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Top of the day, all. Thank you, we, Christian, we, Jean, Mindy, all the folks on the front line to complete our ultimate goal with the Human Solution International and Jack here, CCHI, to end prohibition. Deschedule. Not reschedule, as Matt Path has said, and free all our POWs. Uh, Northern California, uh, I want to thank CCHI for sponsoring this show. Uh, Folks know we have California Initiative to get it on to vote uh, to re-legalize cannabis in California. Uh, We also now, uh, when we start where it starts, people go to jail, it's in our gardens. And uh, we start with these little county supervisors and these PS ordinance that overstep state rights. Also our constitutional rights. The Butte County supervisors have overnight added amendments to Measure A, which we've fought for nine years. Most people know also Shasta County. Measure A takes our going rights away, basically. They added amendments that you will not believe. Uh, One of the amendments is that to come in and bust your guard and take you to jail, they don't even need a complaint now. The police can be their own complaint and just come in and bust you. Uh, that seems to step on our Fourth Amendment right for sure on privacy. So we have a huge group going at Butte County now. Uh, Justin McKenzie, Sue Evans, uh, Drew Otten, a lot of folks here. And we have referendums going, and we also have the injunctions still going with Matthew Pappas and Charnell James. But uh, they take time. As Jessica said, a referendum, uh, this is another referendum of the many we've done in Duke County, that this referendum is going to be on our right to grow. It's going to be one referendum uh, and uh, petition, and the other one is to process. Uh, if Duke County does not back down uh, from these uh, uh, ordinances uh, and these, these new amendments, then we're going to take them on to vote in November. This is what we're doing. So we need 9,000 uh, signatures. I think we'll get them in two, uh, three weeks. Uh, so we'll take any petitions, uh, these petitions, signature gather and go on Northern California with CCHI. So that's going on. And this is where it starts, right down here, folks, right down in these little counties. We have to stand and, and go, uh, have meetings and uh, go to supervisors' meetings, stand for your rights to grow. Uh, when we talk about uh, Christian's dad, Richard Four, RIP, and his partner, Chris Williams, uh, we talk about, uh, I read Christian's post today about how uh, Chris 
uh, got ratted out, uh, and I know uh, I wouldn't want to rat's karma. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm going to write Chris another letter. I have uh, we've been writing him for three about three years. We've been sending pardon letters now. These pardon letters are so important, and they're not hard. <clears throat> you can keep them short. Uh, Christian knows about, has been posting about Antonio Bescaro. Uh, George Martorano spent 33 years in prison, blessed him. Brady uh, talks every week. We'd love to hear him. Uh, Antonio spent 36 years in prison for a plan. Can you believe this? Under mandatory BS minimum sentencing. So I have a, a pardon letter for him here. Now, folks, you can keep these so short. Basically, it says, uh, of course, we write, always write to the uh, the uh, pardons attorney. Uh, and uh, that's not only Deborah Left now. We have a, a deputy attorney, General James Cole. When you write to the pardons attorney, uh, that's DOJ 1425 New York Avenue. 11,000, Washington, D.C., 20530. Uh, the letter is from Tom and Donna Corley with the Human Solution and National.org, our address. Uh, subject is pardon request for Antonio Biscaro, uh, attention, uh, General James Cole and Devil F. We find it disconcerting that Mr. Biscaro is still in Fed prison after 36 years for cannabis a medicinal herb in fact. Moreover, for a victimless crime, which not only is unjust, but cruel and inhumane treatment, wasting time and taxpayers' money, disrupting lives and families. If not for illogical, mandatory minimum draconian laws, Mr. Biscaro would have been released eons ago. That being said, we hope you will consider our plea to pardon Antonio. Thank you for your time and consideration this, for this important matter, respectfully, Tom and Donna Corby. Uh, uh, I just got a letter back uh, from uh, uh, Carol Scott. Uh, he's been in for, uh, let's see, he says here I have his letter. Uh, he basically, I don't know how long I have, Christian, I could read this letter. Uh, basically, what he's saying here is uh, uh, we sent him a birthday card. And dear, dear Mr. and Mr. Corby, I'm just writing to let you know both that I really appreciate you guys reaching out to me and wishing me a happy birthday. I received both your cards, and uh, they were nice, and I took heart. The message you just said to breathe, I want you to know that I will or I will die. LOL. Uh, this is the point I want to bring out about rats. Uh, as you know, I am serving life sentence without parole for a nonviolent marijuana connection. I've been down for eight years, have exhausted all my appeals. So unless I can get clemency from President Obama, I will probably be here for the rest of my life. So I think we can start letters, uh, pardon letter for uh, Scott, too. I uh, just want to add that. I was offered an eight-year sentence from, gov- from the government, but only if I cooperated and snitched on others. 
When I re- when I re- uh, refused, I was forced to go to trial and given life without parole. Uh, I was not caught with any marijuana, not even weed seed. Uh, the guy that got caught with it had told them he was moving it for me, only received 42 months, another guy 33 months, and my co-defendant who went to trial with me got 20 years. I could not bring myself to become a snitch and tell all my friends or my weak connection. It would have went against everything I believed in and was taught as a kid growing up in my hood. I could have never went back to my hood or streets. At least I now I still have my pride, but it came at a huge cost, my freedom. Not one of these so-called friends has ever sent me a letter <laughs> or a thin dime in the eight years since I've been here. Well, my family has suffered immensely since I've been in here. Like Dave Chappelle says, this is what it's like when uh, uh, sleeping uh, real guys go wrong. Even if so, can't say I would have done it any differently because I am no stitch. I try to hold on and have faith that the president will compute my sentences along with everyone serving life for marijuana convictions. Well, I just wanted to let you know a little about myself. And again, thank you so much for your nod. Your wonderful cards and birthday wishes. Hopefully, it's one of my last ones in here. Sincerely, Farrell Scott. P.S. Right now, I'm gassy for air, but I'm still breathing. Thank you all. So, uh, getting these letters back from these prisons is all the world you need. Uh, I get cheers. I've got several of every one of them. Uh, Bottom line, uh, they know that they're not forgotten, and their mail call is all they really have, most important time at all. So write a prisoner today. When you write the pardon letter, also send a copy to the prisoner, a little note. Okay, uh, I know I'm probably going over time. I want to thank you. Uh, uh, you'll also come join us and help you the solution at Prohibition. Thank you all. Thank you, Tom. That was Tom Corby from Northern California. Um, next, we're going to go into closing. Eugene, is there anything that you want to say before I go into the closing? Uh, not really, Christian. Just uh, uh, the name of my website, uh, my my uh, Gmail address is Freedom Cry, and that's what this program is all about. Uh, the, it comes from the Grito of the Mexican peasants for their liberty, and that's what we're we're asking for in in our cause. Freedom cry. For sure, for sure. All right, well, thank you. Uh, we want to thank uh, all of our volunteers um, that weren't on the show today, like Mindy and Becca, and apologize for the technical uh, difficulties that happened during the show. We also want to thank CCHI for letting us take part in their show or in, on their platform to be able to give uh, this voice out to the rest of the nation. Um, we also want to say, um, please help us end prohibition because we have over 50 people serving life sentences. To end prohibition, we can stop it right now by just saying not guilty in the courtrooms, refusing to convict. It's called jury nullification. We can also stop stop uh, end prohibition right now by not snitching. Um, that's where we refuse to tell on each other because without snitches, the government don't have us on us. So if we all stand together, uh, we could all get our charges dropped like the Bellingham 3. 
Um, so as we're going to uh, say peace out today, we also want to say rest in peace uh, to some of our fallen heroes. <clears throat> First of all, I want to say peace to my father, Richard Floor, who I have been thinking about quite a bit lately. Um, I have been thinking deeply about the when I took him off life support um, and how he was shackled to the bed. Um, I didn't know he was shackled to the bed because he had all the covers on him. And when I took him off life support, you know, I was right there and kissed his forehead as his body, as his soul went into the next universe. But um, I didn't know that the whole time he was chained to the bed until after he left the earth and they uncovered him. And so I've been feeling really guilty about that lately. And it's been holding a lot, a lot of pain in my heart because if I would have known he was shackled, I would have made him take the shackles off first so he could have died at least somewhat of a free man. But it didn't happen like that. And that's why we have to end prohibition. So it doesn't happen to anybody else like that. Um, and so that people don't get raided and get shot down anymore, like Gary Shepard did about 21 years ago. Him and his wife, Mary Jane Jones, um, were shot down while they held their baby, and Gary died. And Mary Jane Jones, she just died a few months ago, but she survived the shooting. Um, but their family has went without without Gary now for 21 years. Son and a niece, Stacey Tice, who uh, comes on our show sometimes, she drives a big green bus around because she wants the prohibition to end. also want to say rest in peace to Jack Herrer, who died of cancer, who was a good friend of Joy Graves, who was just on our show. Um, her and Jack were good friends, and she told me that Jack would have survived his cancer if Rick Simpson oil had been invented before he got cancer. But Jack educated us about our plant so much, he wrote a book called Emperor Wears No Clothes. In that book, it reveals all the all the things that the government has done to keep the plant a secret, everything the plant can help us with. Just please just get the book, read it. It's really good. also want to say rest in peace to Bill Lamort. Lamort Lamort, who was one of Eugene's good friends in prison, he was serving a life sentence for a plant. And one year on the 4th of July, he went into the prison yard, he grabbed his chest, and he died in prison uh, from two major heart attacks. Um, nobody should have to die in prison for a plant. Um, we also want to say rest in peace to Peter McWilliams, who died for our plant. Uh, it was He died in prison serving time for our plant. And it's known that maybe he even choked over his own vomit in prison, but that's not certain. So rest in peace to Peter McWilliams, who also wrote his book, one book about death that helped me personally when my father died. And also rest in peace to Larry Harvey, who died of cancer and his whole family. The Kettle Falls Five were surfing, were facing sentences, but um, Larry, he had cancer, and in the middle of his fight, even after going to Washington, D.C., fighting for a plant, he passed away. We also want to say rest in peace to give the young who gave us Adam, also to Curtis Cecil, whose father uh, risked going on federal lockdown uh, in order to call into our radio show every Sunday morning. Uh, his son Curtis passed away in the drug war since his dad has been incarcerated for 13 years of a life sentence. Uh, Craig did not call in today, so we're hoping we will hear from him next week. We also want to say rest in peace to two young children, Spencer Coptis and Cassie Hyde, who were using the plant <clears throat> to kill their brain tumors, and it was working, and they were they were surviving their tumors, and all of a sudden their caregivers got raided. Um, one down in Southern California, and Cashy happened, uh, the raids happened in Montana. Same raids that killed my dad um, also denied Cashy the medicine that he needed, and both these little boys passed away. We also want to say rest in peace to Bernardo Fuma Martinez, who was personally helping me, trying to get the message about our prisoners out to other, other continents on our planet. 
Um, so rest in peace, Fumo. And also one more. Um, we want to say rest in peace to Oscar, who is a really good friend of Eugene Fisher's and George Monterano's, who have regular segments on, on the show. As they said that uh, Oscar went to FBI in the sky. And please help us in prohibition so nobody else has to die in prison for our plant so we can free our plant and so that nobody has to um, get raided and killed anymore. Thank you, and we hope that you enjoy the song. I like it, and we play it every Sunday. Have a good day. Should I take the straps? 
They say it's oil, but it's deeper than that. It's just more smoke to my mirror, so I radiate more hope clearer. Shed tears with my peers, the judgment day gets nearer. So I exercise mightier than the sword. Use the pen to paint the lines with conscious mind, the world can explore. So maybe you can find out why and bring us to war. Some of the most powerful things are Let's go. 